0: Welcome to Matthew Barber's Thames Valley Talks. I'm very pleased to have Liam Walker here for me for my uh, latest Thames Valley Talk. Uh, Liam, you are the County Council Cabinet Member for Oxfordshire responsible for highways delivery. Uh, What exactly does that entail?
1: Yeah, exactly, Matt. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. Um, So yeah, highways delivering operations. So basically, uh, not just all things potholes, but generally uh, anything that links into highways. So that'll be uh, obviously your roads, cycleways, footpaths, uh, tree service as well. We also offer that. That's a key part of, of what we do. Uh, and looking at infrastructure as well across Oxfordshire, which is very important, particularly um, linking that in with with new developments, which um, is certainly something that we've seen a, a fair share of in Oxfordshire. Uh, so it's a very busy role, a very uh, operational role. Um, it certainly keeps me busy, but it's also something I'm, I'm quite passionate about.
0: Excellent. Yeah, certainly, uh, certainly lots to do. Um, and uh, I think really interesting to talk about... Um, uh, some of the role about uh, county council highways uh, and highways authority responsibilities in relation to roads policing. We might come on to that um, in a moment. But we actually had a conversation on Radio Oxford um, not that long ago about um subject of um, unauthorised encampments, particularly in your uh, in your division. Uh, now, I mean, it's a it's a challenge that I see across the whole of the Thames Valley and indeed across the country, um, where illegal encampments will uh, will pop up. Um, usually, um, uh, on sites of roads or private land, um, the, the public have an expectation for the police to take action. And I think where they, where they can, they should be robust in dealing with them. Uh, but I think there's also a, um, a, an overestimation of what the police can actually do. And there's very limited powers. Um, you, you had a particular problem, obviously, in, uh, in Minster Lovell in your division recently.
1: Yes, yes, we did. So we have a particular site um, that actually is land owned by the county council. So we use it um, for storing loose chippings as part of our our surface dressing program. So most most time of the year, it's it's packed full of um, chippings, so no one can really get in. But that program is now finished, which sort of opens up the gate uh, to to travellers. So normally, you know, don't get me wrong, we get travellers. I, I grew up in Level and always remember as a kid getting getting travellers parking up in this particular site. Um, and you know nine times out of ten they're not a bad bunch they keep themselves themselves but the particular group we just had um, were particularly hostile to local residents uh, and were causing a real nuisance and and drawing uh, unnecessary attention to themselves which then ultimately um, means uh, our inboxes gets full of emails uh, from from residents, and exactly as you touch on, uh, expecting us to, uh, you know, m- move them on without really knowing the difficulties we have as a local authority, uh, and you similarly through Thames Valley Police of actually moving travellers on. Uh, it's a very difficult, and it's a very emotive subject as well. Um, you know, there was a, an increase of sort of petty crime in the area. A, a guy in the village next door in Crawley had you know, four and a half grand's worth of uh, tools stolen. Now, you know, I'm not going to uh, imply that they're responsible, but it was a bit of a coincidence that there was an increase in crime. So that's why it was um, quite important, I felt, to sort of um, speak to you about it and, and just look at that support of what the police can do to help us because as a county council, We want to take them to court, but because of COVID at the moment, we're not able to do that because the the courts aren't seeing uh, eviction notices and and sort of clearing that backlog. So we were really caught between a rock and a hard place. Uh, And thankfully, after your intervention and uh, and support from the local police, we, we managed to get them moved on.
0: Well, yeah, I was very pleased. I, actually, that afternoon, um, I, I went over to Minster Lovell, uh, took the opportunity to take the dog for a walk uh, down there, and uh, very pleased to see the only people uh, left were a couple of PCSOs uh, helping to helping to clear up. But I, I know in the intervening period, uh, you know, it gone on for a number of days and caused real distress uh, to local residents. I think it's really important what you touched on there, that there have been encampments there before that haven't caused the same issues. And you're right, this gets hugely emotive and, and we get into a, a real challenge of genuine discrimination. Um, you know, travelers, uh, as they're as referred to as a generic bunch, are not all the same. Uh, and I think my my real frustration, actually, in dealing with uh, with this, is um, there's genuine uh, concern from local residents. There are genuine instances of uh, of criminality, but they are not everybody. And I think what we need to have is a really a, a really sensible, balanced approach to how we how we stop the problem of Uh, illegal encampments particularly uh, and it doesn't matter whether you are from the gypsy roman traveler community or anybody else Uh, the act of uh, of illegally camping on someone else's land um, and causing uh, and causing distress to locals uh, is a problem in itself regardless of uh, of who's doing it Uh, I'd be really interested to see what the government do come up with with new legislation I think in in the first instance part of the problem that the, the police have at the moment is Often uh, these are on on private land, and uh, trespass is uh, is a civil offence. So the the police have uh, virtually no role if if a, an encampment is there and is causing no other problems, which is often the case. The public still want to see them moved on, but the police literally have no powers. Uh, and even if uh, even if there are uh, yeah, other issues around uh, around antisocial behaviour, there the uh, the powers that the police have under the current legislation are are very limited, especially in Uh, in Thames Valley and in Oxfordshire, where there are no alternative sites to direct people to. If, If there's a transit site, for example, um, then the police can at least force uh, a group to move and say there is another suitable site available for you. Uh, and currently, of course, there, there there isn't one anywhere in the Thames Valley. Uh, it's an interesting model. Actually, I visited um, a council in the West Midlands uh, in Sandwell where they've looked at doing exactly this, and they've they've got a transit site there, and it, it's considered to be hugely successful. And I, it was an example that I put to. Kit Malthouse, the policing minister, um, but you're right. Particularly at the moment with with COVID, it causes a real challenge to uh, to councils and and to landowners.
1: Absolutely, and and particularly um, residents in Minster level, they're, they're you know completely aware of the idea and the concept of travellers. There's a, you know not far from the village is a settled um, traveller site, and they're a completely different type of people. You know they're part of the village community um and and don't cause a nuisance as, as these ones did but it's, it, it is very frustrating there doesn't seem to be much uh power enforcement that we're able to do um and i guess this particular incident because it wasn't just this settlement there was also um on the industrial estate bromag industrial estate in whitney it was all sort of part of the same group um is that all those crimes that were as i say coincidentally committed during that period of settlement um will, will probably just get filed and dismissed and and that leaves residents frustrated because those likely suspects have now moved on despite there being you know massive sorts source, sources of uh, and you know i've seen it circulated on, on social media videos and photos of these people committing the crimes um you know we've got people that at the moment builders etc that are working their socks off uh you know in a difficult climate and have now got um you know thousands of pounds worth of tools that they've got to to fund themselves. So I guess it's just really unfair. And, and you know, feedback from, from residents in my own view is is it's sort of kicking the can down the road again, as we, we sort of spoke about the other week. Um, you know, we need a long term solution to this or, or we're going to be talking about this when we're much more grey and older if we don't um, sort of yeah. try and do something about it now. And I think you're absolutely right. Looking at transit sites for the Thames Valley has got to be a way forward, surely.
0: Yeah, I I would agree. And I think, you know, I understand that the public's frustration where they see uh, antisocial behaviour taking place, where where there are issues of criminality, and they don't feel that the police are addressing it. And it's something that I will constantly uh, keep pushing Thames Valley uh, police. I I think if you look around the country, actually, Thames Valley, I've got a reasonable uh, record of, of dealing with them. But uh, but there is a real challenge there. And and in getting that balance, I've actually had had lots of conversations with um, with people in the in the GRT community um, about uh, strengthening the the role of councils in providing transit sites um, uh, and making sure that the response from the police is robust and fair. Uh, And actually, I think a lot of people would be surprised by um, uh, how much members of the travelling community would welcome uh, Fair and firm uh, enforcement, because they see uh, issues of discrimination, but they also see the bad behaviour um, of of others who who give everybody a bad name. Uh, and you know, there's a number of people I've talked to who would who would welcome uh, a firmer and fairer approach. I mentioned the the legislation. The government have been consulting uh, since the end of last year on. Uh, on changes to the to the law, we don't know quite what shape that will take. But I had a conversation with uh, the policing minister about it just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's something I've mentioned to the Home Secretary on occasions when I've met her, and and I'll continue to lobby all of the MPs uh, in Thames Valley because I think uh, getting getting the changes right, not just a, a knee jerk having tougher. Uh, rules, that, that sounds great, but actually we need a system that works. And, uh, and I think uh, putting in place the right rules that give the power to the police to, to move people on and providing the appropriate sites uh, can be a real a, a real game changer uh, and hopefully not just deal with the short term issue as you mentioned, but actually deal with some of those uh, sort of community relations uh, issues and and mean that uh, everybody can can find a space to live and and live a, a peaceful lawful life. Uh, and I think there's there's a, a sort of holy grail to to be found there which could make a, a massive difference um, if the government get the legislation right. But we're promised something uh, later in the year. We will see.
1: Good.
0: You say yes, indeed. Yeah, indeed. Uh, another issue which I know is, is close to your heart, uh, and and with your cabinet role uh, for highways, I'm sure you get an awful lot of this is is speeding, and uh, it's something I've uh, I've taken an interest in. Um, I, I guess your interest from in the county council, you you probably get it from both ends. Uh, from a, from a corporate uh, issues across Oxfordshire um in the in the centre of the city, twenty mile an hour zones, all that sort of things, but also I guess in your more rural division yourself from uh, from local residents who would raise the same concerns.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um speeding is uh speeding issues across oxter is something that fills my uh email inbox on, on on a daily basis. And I guess it's really frustrating because um, the only people that can really uh, help prevent the issue is the drivers themselves. Uh, at the end of the day, they're the ones that have got their foot um, you know, on the pedal and are causing these issues. Um, it's particularly uh, an, an issue on sort of the A road. So we've had uh, a yeah. number of fatalities actually, uh, particularly in July. There was quite an increase, worryingly. Um, which triggered us to have that conversation and uh, arrange a meeting, uh, which i 'm sure we'll come on to, um, but yeah, we definitely need to look at how we can uh, you know reduce speeding across Oxfordshire and across the Thames Valley as well, um, as I say, a lot of the issues is because it 's the individuals driving the car and, and and we, as an authority as a council, can put in all the the traffic calming and, and sign, signage you know that we like, but at the end of the day, we still need drivers to obey. Um, so yeah, we're looking at a number of schemes, so particularly around 20 mile an hour speeding, uh, you know, sort of zones for villages, uh, trying to make them sort of quiet areas. Uh, but again, you need the, the necessary traffic calming to be able to do that. Um, but yes, it, um, we've got, we've had a, a, a you know, recent incident on in the A40 where people keep crashing into the roundabout, which, you know, some people say it's designed poorly, but at the end of the day, in my mind, a roundabout to roundabout and you can clearly see it and, and the major factor of why people are crashing into it because they're just going too quick uh, and it's very difficult on what we can do to prevent that. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm quite keen that, that, you know, the County Council and, and Thames Valley Police work together on this issue. Uh, similarly, as we just discussed about travellers, we don't want to keep kicking the can down the road. We've got to start to uh, address this issue
0: yeah uh, i think you're right it's it's an issue that um is in in the heart of communities if you ask pretty much any community anywhere in the thames island i'm sure it's the same across the country speeding will probably come in their top five concerns um somewhere uh in there and uh, and, and it, it is a big concern for people and thankfully most of the time it's an annoyance but we all know that tragically yeah people will get it wrong and uh, and it will not just uh, cost lives but it will ruin people's lives you know, the the devastation um often of living with the injuries of a of a horrendous crash uh, are often so much worse And for the driver who uh, who one minute of going about their, uh their business and and driving too fast not thinking anything of it uh, they may have a, a a death or an injury on their conscience and potentially a a significant prison sentence um as well so i think you know it's it's something that we can't Uh, we can't dismiss Uh, community speedwatch is I think part of the solution it's sounds like uh, sort of pushing it down to the community but it's it's a a problem that concerns people locally and I think there is some local action that can be taken you've got quite a a few active groups of community speedwatch in your part of Oxfordshire um and I I would I would love to expand the scheme I think to be frank at the moment the scheme of community speedwatch across Thames Valley is is not brilliant um yeah, the, the force do their best to try and support it, but they're not really um, properly set up to uh, to to manage the volunteers in the way that they need to. And uh, I've had some conversations with roads policing in recent months. I would uh, really like to reinvigorate community speed watch, um, manage the volunteers through the office of the police and crime commissioner, We're much better suited because we've already got a lot of volunteer schemes that we run and hopefully with some external sponsorship uh it encourage more groups to be set up by providing them with the kit they need so the you know the the actual speed cameras uh and uh, and the high-vis jackets and all those uh, sorts of things There's some really good systems out there uh, that are, are looking to link community speed watch groups not just across Thames Valley but across the country and and automate a lot of it so that uh, the volunteers can actually do what they want to do which is get out there on the streets, show a presence and, uh, and demonstrate their community um, uh, will not tolerate speeding rather than being stuck at home dealing with you know, filling in lots of paperwork to, to then send back to the police. So I, I think there's a, a, a real appetite for that because I've certainly in your part of Oxfordshire, I've seen uh, lots of groups who are, who are really keen to make that work
1: yeah absolutely uh, you know i've got quite a few in, in in my council division in fact north lee parish comes to mind uh, andy who who runs that and is a parish councillor um you know is very keen uh, to to get the group going and 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 start recording speeds now it's that perception that i i you know it's a hard sell to people because it's like we're not giving people tickets and i said yeah you're absolutely right but actually it's amazing the impact of being on the roadside Uh, as a member of the community where you are seeing your neighbors, uh, because often, let's be honest, in most of these villages, it is the local people that are speeding. You know, you can't shy away from that. They're the people that know where the schools are, the the dodgy bends and where the crossings are. And they're often the ones that uh, sadly just put their foot down a little bit too much. But the impact it has is very positive. Uh, And also from a a council point of view, it's the data behind it. So these groups are actually collecting uh, the data to show where are these hotspots of speeding. Um, which we can then, you know, build in the in the, you know, the vehicle-activated signs that flash when people are going too quick. So I think, um, you know, touched on it earlier, we've got a, a meeting coming up to discuss sort of roads policing, and I think actually how I'm quite keen in my role at the county of how we can work together uh, with groups. I think there needs to be some consistency because all the groups are using sort of different devices and different yeah. signage and that sort of stuff. So I think actually... I, I welcome the idea of, of taking that under your wing uh, and, and somebody managing that scheme properly, uh, because I think it's a huge advantage to, to the police and also to the council uh, that they, these schemes are run properly.
0: Mm, I, I think you're right. The, the data is key in everything these days, isn't it? And although um, yes, the tickets you know you're not get necessarily getting a, a speeding fine uh, from those, but but actually the the point is not to find people and make money the point is to slow people down and it, it does make a real difference um when when they do see people, members of their own community out there because often it is as you say uh you know we, we've all been there you know i i know this bend i know this this bit of road i you know, and the confidence you get from knowing a a, a road, local road network often makes people you know, sadly drive faster uh, and i think you're right we can we should absolutely link up much more strategi- strategically so the community speed watch groups will identify where there are real issues of speeding uh versus perception because people are notoriously bad at judging speed uh, and there are a number of groups that have been have been set up and, and almost found that there hasn't been a problem but that that's not a bad thing uh you know that demonstrates that people are, are driving uh appropriately but it will it will provide that data and i think that then will help to uh ensure that the police resources um of roads policing uh which will you know, normally are on the strategic road networks to uh dealing with the you know the the big um, trunk roads, the uh, the motorways across Thames, i have got a huge motorway network to to maintain. Um, but yeah, actually providing that local data, we can show where the journey hotspots are, make sure there's police enforcement, and then that can again in turn feed into the conversations that we should be having with uh, not just Oxfordshire but all of the highways authorities to to make sure that we design out speed because um, it's, not just a case, it's not good enough just to enforce. Yes, we can, we can get a community speedwatch group, we can get a police officer there with a speed gun and we can stop someone we can, uh, and we can give them the fine, but actually there'll be someone else who comes through uh, and does the same thing. So uh, I think you're right, we can, we've, got a, we've all got a role to play in making sure that the whole road network is safer and a lot of that will end up in, in changing road design, I think, in places to simply make it less desirable and less possible to, to speed.
1: actually i wonder if um you know with those speed watch groups when they are collecting that data if that helps thames valley police in terms of getting an officer out because actually you know one of the frustrations for the group in north lee is that they they've been going now for about 18 months um but they've not actually had a, a police officer whether it be in a van or a mobile device. Um, it would make sense that if over a year's period, for example, to to help sort of encourage these groups to form in parishes and, and villages, because let's be honest, that's pretty much where the main issues are, um, that if by the end of it, they kind of know they're doing it for the, the right reason in terms of hopefully getting a, a police officer with a Uh, You know, a speed device that can actually give the tickets, because I think you only need a couple of those incidents in a village where an officer's parked up and done it. And I think it'll have a massive impact because people will people talk very quickly on on social media groups and community pages. Um, And I think that'll just help to support the groups that actually what they're doing is sort of valuable work.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right, and, and the the, vis- the system I envisage, if we can get it in place, and obviously it will take some time, will allow uh, yeah, roads policing um, officers to to basically look at a dashboard across Thames Valley and see which of those groups are, are blogging which speeds and, and spot where the real genuine hotspots are, um, not just from anecdotal reports, but from the data that people are actually finding and then make sure that the police resources yeah, are properly focused there. But I think we've got a really good opportunity. We've got a new uh, superintendent coming in to heads the road, head the roads policing unit. Um, uh, I'm going to uh, bring him over to uh, meet with you and your officers at Oxfordshire County Council. And I think that'd be a great place to start in Oxfordshire and then uh, and roll out some improvements across Thames Valley if we can. Yeah, good. Uh, there's uh, while we talk about the county, I think there's uh, some other really good work going on in Oxford City um, at the moment, which uh, I'm sure you're aware of uh, at a cabinet level. Uh, the Safer Streets Fund, which uh, we've got around a million pounds from uh, the Home Office to to deal with acquisitive crime in uh, in two areas of Oxford, uh, and this is very much a pilot scheme. It's a huge amount of money for for. Um, working in two particularly small areas Uh, but it's it's about working in partnership so we're doing a lot with the county council um, about making sure that the the cctv the street lighting um, is adequate in all of those areas dealing with housing associations and the universities because often the, the victims of an awful lot of uh crime in oxford are students uh, and making sure that students are provided with bicycle locks that the front doors are all uh are all adequate everybody's got window locks some really basic things uh but to improve um improve the housing stock just make it more difficult um for people to um uh, commit these sort of crimes because they're often seen as low-level crimes but as you said uh, at the start of this chat uh, if you're uh, if your van is broken into and your tools are stolen, um, that might look relatively low level um, in to to some people, but if that's your livelihood and uh, and if you can't go to work uh, and, and earn some money, how are you going to support your family? Same thing if you're dependent on your bicycle for for getting getting to work uh, and someone's taken that. These, these can be really important crimes. So I think. Um, i think the, the project in oxford with the support of the county um i hope will be really successful and be a model that we can then look to roll out uh, in other areas but fundamentally i think it's about having a bit of a, a shift i think probably people will feel that uh some of that lower level crime probably uh isn't isn't given the proper consideration by the police these days um i, I mean i would i would disagree because i know a huge amount of work does go on behind the scenes but it's about Making sure that people recognise that, uh, and ensuring that we do deal with the the day-to-day humdrum issues of crime, because the the, the big uh, exciting things that the police talk about, uh, thankfully, doesn't affect that many people. Uh, you know, most people go about their daily lives, and uh, and hopefully will not become victims of crime. But if they are, it's probably likely it to be some something relatively low level.
1: Yeah, I think community policing is, is something I was going to talk to you about, uh, and, and actually. Interestingly, you mentioned about cycling. So at the Council, we uh, are now, there's quite a drive and a push towards active travel, uh, and particularly that most of that incorporates cycling. We're just doing a massive program at the moment, installing um, new cycle facilities across various uh, towns and in the city, uh, in Oxfordshire. And actually, you know, bicycle theft, particularly in the city, is, you know, is very high. Uh, And and you're right, I guess a lot of us see that as relatively, you know, sort of petty crime, but that has a massive impact because if you've got a new e-bike now, you're looking at a couple of thousand pounds for Mm. a new bike. Uh, and actually, if that is your commute to work, you know, we, we've, we've probably both seen you know, cases of NHS staff during COVID having bikes stolen and things like that. That's, that's a massive impact on someone's livelihood. It's already, uh, you know, very expensive to commute. Uh, and actually, we should be you know encouraging people to go out and cycle. But that also means we need somewhere safe for them to, you know, they need to feel confident that when they go to work, you know, and work there, Ten eight hour shift or whatever that they've left their bike in a, in a very secure place, I think community policing plays uh, a very important role with that yeah,
0: absolutely and I, you mean you mentioned the, the cost of bikes these days um, they, they could be hugely expensive assets, and um I'm not saying in every case, but uh, I've certainly come across uh, areas where bicycles are effectively stolen as part of an organized uh, crime network that uh, people will will be stealing them. Uh, 'll The person who 's actually taking the risk and, and, and committing the theft will probably get you know, fifty quids worth of drugs um, for their trouble but actually the the bicycles are then being either sold on as they are or, you, or sold on online for parts and there 's a massive uh, criminal industry um, out there which is making a lot of money um out of the misery of uh, of people who are having their their bikes stolen so i think you're absolutely right linking some of the the high-end police tactics um that are used to deal with serious organized crime but ensuring that we've got the adequate uh, resources for neighborhood policing uh, and, and local response i think are, are really important and that's why i think the the increase in police officers that we're already seeing across uh, thames valley um you know i hope that will continue the um we were we're expected to have 183 recruited by March of next year and we're already up to uh, over 220 so um that's that's made a massive uh, difference uh, but you know we we need to keep that going it's uh we're looking I, I would hope if we get the the numbers um extrapolated out that I would like to see uh, an, another 600 or so uh, coming to Thames Valley and those numbers are over and above those that are retiring or or leaving the force for various reasons but obviously it takes a long time for um, for us to train officers and for them to become uh, used to their patch but you're right making sure that we've got um, yeah, adequate uh, numbers of police officers and that they're, they're properly tasked with dealing with uh, yeah, neighbourhood issues um, is really important. I don't think you can overstate the importance of neighbourhood policing in in the British policing model. It sounds very archaic to talk about uh, yeah, the, the Peelian principles of, uh, of community policing but it's absolutely true and if we want to make sure that we can uh, maintain confidence uh, in policing and people need to see officers locally on on the ground that's that's uh, uh, that desire to see police officers is not saying it's going to go away you
1: yeah, know completely agree but i know you're prob- probably a, a very busy man but just one sort of final issue i wanted to, to to bring up with you is about um county lines which i know is something um, i hope the majority of people in in oxfordshire uh, are, and the tans valley are, are well aware of um, i wonder if there's any sort of further update on that because sort of uh you know a, a year or so ago it was a, quite a, quite an issue particularly in in oxfordshire um has has covid have a bit of a positive impact on that is it not so much of an issue now or is there still um still cases
0: yeah it's uh, it's been interesting the impact of uh, of covid on crime generally but particularly things like you know, county lions gangs it's been simply harder to move drugs around the country and we've seen the price of drugs on the street go through the roof because uh, of lack of availability. Uh, In terms of policing it's been a really interesting time because um, the police have used this opportunity where uh, on the crime front things were relatively quiet to to try and make some really big inroads and there's a there's been a lot of uh, a lot of activity uh, tracking people down um, and, uh, and bringing to a conclusion some of the covert operations that have been running in the background to try and identify uh, serious organized crime groups the sadly uh, you know the um uh, the county lines model is a is a really uh is a really successful business model i think we need to accept it as a business um you know we we don't we don't condone it but if we simply dismiss it um as, as just pure evil then we don't understand how it works and, and we need to understand it if we're going to defeat it so um th- this system of exploiting usually uh, young children or, and the most vulnerable in our society to to traffic and, and trade drugs has been hugely successful i think in in recent months partly because of covid uh, and partly because of a lot of effort put in over a long period of time uh, we have seen some successes and Thames Valley, if you look at the number of arrests, are probably one of the most successful police forces in the country at, at dealing with county lines gangs. But uh, I have to say I think it 's going to be an ongoing battle uh, there isn't uh, there isn 't a, a mission accomplished moment in the battle against um, uh, county lines gangs, but there are lots of things that can come into play, and I think one of those uh, actually is tackling the drugs market. Uh, my view has been that, as a country it's not this isn't a comment on any particular government but we've uh, we've accepted casual recreational drug use far too easily in this country we We rightly say we should focus on the dealers and suppliers um but uh, we've we've taken little impact a, a little uh, notice of people using drugs um and i think that needs to change uh, it doesn't mean that we have to lock everybody up for uh, smoking a bit of cannabis but what we're looking at doing in thames valley um is uh, pushing a lot more people into treatment and if they don't go into treatment then there'll be a a, a Court sanction um, to, to look at. So, uh, using using a bit of carrot and a bit of stick, because quite frankly, the only way ultimately to, to defeat drug gangs is to is to remove their market. If there weren't people dry, buying drugs, uh, there wouldn't be people selling them. So, I think we need to tackle it at both ends. Um, but uh, COVID, uh, despite all the the many challenges and tragedies that it's brought, has uh, has brought some some good things as we as we're starting to learn. And I think in the battle against drugs, that certainly been uh, helpful in the short run. Liam uh, thank you very much for joining me today it's been great talking to you and thank you to everybody for listening in my next Thames Valley talk I'll be discussing knife crime with Ben Everett MP uh, the, the member of parliament for Milton Keynes North uh, but that's all for now Liam thank you very much thanks Matt to get all the editions of my podcast and to find out more information about any of the issues discussed visit my website matthewbarber.co.uk slash thamesvalleytalks